This episode of Commentary, Trek Stars, is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. This is J.G. Hertz, the General Mar Talker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 16 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today is Part 5 in our series on Robert Hewitt Wolf, where we will be looking at the miniseries Riverworld, the 2010 miniseries. Yes. Now, Riverworld is based on a series of books by Philip Jose Farmer. Uh, It started in 1971 with uh, to your scattered bodies go and uh, continued from there I guess there was a sequel a year later and uh, a few books after that a lot of people think that the first two books are really good and the rest of them are kind of meandering um, I haven't read any of them myself uh, have you? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't know I've, uh, it, 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 it all felt very familiar when I when I was watching this but it's entirely possible that I just know the story because I hung out with a lot of sci-fi people back in the day. The overall premise of the uh, of the mythology is that when you die, mm-hmm. you are resurrected on a planet called Riverworld, which basically is... Well, not everyone. Not everyone, but, but uh, people are resurrected on a planet called Riverworld, which is basically a one big long river. And you you wash up on the shore, and time is a little wonky. You can uh, interact with people who have been dead for hundreds of of years, or you could interact with people who died a hundred years after you. And uh, if you died at the same time as someone else, you might wash up at the same time, or you might wash up, uh, you know, ten years earlier, or... 10 years later or whatever. Yeah. yeah it's the, there's, it's not explicitly clear how long stuff has been happening on Riverworld or how long stuff will go on on Riverworld. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's clearly a, a pretty long time, but, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of weird stuff going on with the, the people that are there, the people that aren't there. It's, uh, there's a, there's a whole rabbit hole of, crazy math i mean there's there's supposed to be like 20 billion people on the planet from all throughout human history on earth yeah so that's a lot of people and that's a humongous amount of space right considering that it's supposed to be like a hundred times bigger than earth in in that's how big the planet's supposed to be a hundred times bigger okay it's nuts In, in the in the books at least i guess they they do say it is in the distant future um well, I mean, like that's, and that it was constructed by these right, people. I, that's what I was going to say. It's I don't think that the time is wonky because it's not like we're in the past, right? It's like they've just been like picking up people, putting them on ice, and then like waiting a few million years, yeah, and then they just you know unthaw them all, you know, with a staggered schedule because 
apparently there's not enough people to unthought all those people at the same time. Well, I mean, I Although, think they, but they are kind of plugged into computers. It's kind of like the Matrix meets Lost. Right. Now, in, in, in the movie, uh, I don't know how much of this has, has changed or whatever, but in, in the movie, the main character is played by Tom O'Pennicott. Yeah. Who plays Hilo on uh, Battlestar Galactica, amongst other things. He He is a war journalist who is blown up just as he was about to propose to his girlfriend, Supergirl, Laura Vandervoot, right? Isn't it Voort? They they blow up by a suicide bomber kills them, mm-hmm. and now him and his friends wash up on the shores, but he cannot find his his girlfriend, so he's on a quest to find her. However, yes. things are complicated in Riverworld because um, there are two warring factions of blue people. Yes. Um, They're called the... Uh, Navi. <laughs> no. Nightcrawler. The, no, the two... The Nightcrawler is in it, yes. yes. Um, but but there are two, two, two sets of these people. One, one group is called the Salvationists, and the other group is called the Second Chancers. Yes. And this is the name that these blue aliens came up with for themselves. They're not terrible team names invented by a teenager <laughs> trying to write his first comic book. I this is something that super intelligent aliens came up with. I, I don't know if that if they're actually referred to that in into the mo- in the movie or not. Um, I can't are. remember. But uh, they are. okay, the Salvationists basically see Riverworld as a waste of time, and they want to destroy it and move on to bigger and better things. And the Second Chancers think that you know they've they've given these these humans here a second chance that they should uh, let them uh, see it out. Let it play out. See what happens. Yeah. Basically, the humans are caught in the middle. And there are some a lot of historical figures involved. But the big bad guy is Richard Burton. Okay, yeah. He's the Tarkin. Yeah. And um, uh, Pizarro is the Vader. Right. So... Or Emperor of it. it doesn't matter which one you want. Right. Okay. So, that's kind of weird. Um, what? That's weird? But we'll get into that We're not that even at the point where it gets really okay, weird. Okay, well, we'll get into a second why that particular thing is weird. But, you know, other people show up, like Samuel Clemens. He's a good guy. Um, yes. The he's man got, who... He's got a boat. A man who has spent an absurd amount of time adventuring in other planets, the future... Mm-hmm. Um, going into the afterlife. Yeah. That dude's in all over the place. Right. So, okay. What were your thoughts on Riverworld? Um, well, like, I, we, we started doing this, like, we talked about future sports, and, and Robert Hewitt Wolf, like, commented on Twitter. He's like, it's, it, these, these three guys talk about the th- second worst thing I ever wrote. Right. Future sport, and he and he said that Riverworld is is the worst thing, and I don't agree. I agree. I I don't think that Riverworld is nearly that bad. The only like the only really significant problem I have with Riverworld is that um, post Lost, uh, this this genre doesn't doesn't have the same material that it once had. The idea that this is a place 
Like, it's just a place. It's a new arena in which to exist and live and have experiences. Like, the second chancers are, like, essentially it's the argument that, you know, it's this moment. It's the moment. It's the life that matters. It's not the, the end result. It's a sort of philosophical concept, and some people, you know, embrace it, and some people sort of embrace it. And having a whole bunch of characters play out these experiences, uh, it's certainly interesting conceptually. There are plenty of problems in Riverworld. In this particular incarnation of Riverworld, there are plenty of problems. A lot of them are editorial. But, like, there's good stuff there. Like there, there are good ideas present, and it could theoretically have been good. I guess it could have theoretically have been good. I think that maybe it was mishandled. Like when you hear, oh yeah, it was mishandled. It was mishandled. <laughs> I mean, when when you hear about it was dropped. <laughs> when when you hear about like some some of the the ideas, I and mean, when you hear the like. Well, I mean, we just described the basic premise of of the uh, the mythology, and it's, it's not it's not terrible. It's an interesting premise. Yeah, it's, and, it's all right. You I can, mean, you can make that work. There's other things about it, you know, like the fact that if you die in Riverworld, you're theoretically resurrected somewhere else. Yes, they call it the Suicide Express. Right. And, Some people apparently use it for traveling. Right, and there's you know sort of a an. Uh, advanced healing factor going on and yes and everyone has like wolverine's healing factor there's weird things with like wristbands that people have but some people don't have them and those wristbands like the people who don't have them are are there to show that you know free will is a thing or something i don't i don't remember exactly um but it's uh, yeah the they're they're part of the the simulation like concept right. that they're okay. that they're part of a of a a kind of game, yeah. And there's this whole like chessboard aspect. Like the the blue people are kind of playing like you know uh, Zeus slash Hera like game of chess with people, right? Which kind of makes them come off like jerks, even if even if you're on their side, it's still kind of kind of a jerky thing to do. Yeah, and and even 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 with all that, you know, like uh, you've got. Well, like we were saying, Richard Burton is the bad guy, you know, and yes. you've got you've got these two sides, but the people who want the river world to be destroyed have a good point, you know. Like Burton's whole thing is like this is an abomination. Like we we are uh, pawns. We are are we here to amuse them? No, you know. Let's let's just end it. You know, if we're not gonna, if, if we can't uh, be free, then we don't want to be you know and and i mean both yeah. there, there are you know pros and cons to to that argument and and it is kind of a, a philosophical uh debate which is going on in the show i think i think they might come a little come down a little too hard on one side as opposed to the other but whoa you can never that's that's an argument that you have to come down on one side of like well, it's perhaps you do. it's essentially like it's essentially a question about nihilism it's like is there a meaning to existence well, if you say there's no meaning to existence there's no intrinsic value to existence then yeah let's just end this thing okay I, I guess you do have to come down hard on one side but i think the problem with it is if you're going to ask the question if you want it if you want it to be um something that people think about you need to at least present both sides fairly and i think maybe they didn't present both sides fairly 
Do you know what I'm saying? Otherwise, what's I the point? To- I totally agree. But, like, that's my argument for future support. Okay. Like, because they didn't give both sides, like, a, a fair shake. Right. They yeah. ended up breaking their own argument. No, I mean, I, I, I would agree with that, too. Yeah. And in Riverworld, I think that, like, ultimately, like, I don't, like, I, I don't consider myself a nihilist. But I do kind of occasionally feel like, yeah, yeah, I agree. And that kind of puts me in the camp of, like, let's just keep going because it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. If we end it, then we've just decided to end it. And that's our call. It doesn't mean that we've made things better or worse. So we might as well just live in the moment. But, like, I also understand the idea of, like, being toyed around. And I, I understand how frustrating that would be. I understand, like, how, how some of these guys must feel being pulled around by these, like, extraterrestrial creatures that seem to not respect these individuals' lives and their own internal agency. And that's got to be really upsetting, especially when you've, if you've been there for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I guess some of them have been there for a really long time. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I, I get both sides. I don't think that it's particularly... I don't think it leans particularly in one way or the other. It just sort of leans on like, this is all we got. I mean, if we blow this up, we don't even have a TV show. So, so on the whole, I mean, what what, what were your thoughts? Did you uh, you enjoy it or not? Or, I mean, no, I mean, no, it's not. It's not particularly good. It's got a lot of problems. I mainly, I, I just think that it was it was too long. Mm-hmm. Like if the if it was if it was significantly cut down to, you know, a, a more a more manageable runtime, and maybe had a little bit less um, Earth artifact materials mm-hmm. on this planet. Like there are little beats, little little tiny bits in this thing that make you go, "No, I don't buy it. I reject that." And a lot of it is just the way that it was made. Little beats here and there, little elements that just sort of betray how overthought some of it was. Okay, I guess I don't quite see what you're saying. I mean, there there are I mean, sh- there there are a lot of Earth artifacts in in the movie, but I mean, to me, that was kind of like I mean, that's what happens when you essentially have built a society. Filled with people from Earth history. Sure. But, like, they've got riverboats and zeppelins. Yeah. But no buildings? Like, mm-hmm. like the, the highest structure that they have is, like, one floor? Like, they've got zeppelins, but no stores. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. It is kind of a hodgepodge, <laughs> I suppose. I mean, like, um, it's not its not a question of it being, like, like incorrect. It's a question of it, like, saying, like, we have this and we don't have this. And, and it's not that it's impossible. It's that it's just really strange. Okay. So, um, for me personally, I did not enjoy this movie or miniseries or whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, I think the problem with it was there's so much... So much going muchness? on, yes. There's too much a muchness. What what's that from? Too much, too muchness. No, it's that's not it. What, it's not, I think that is it. That oh, that's actually an Iris Stephen Bear thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay, all right. Anyway, um, call back. 
there's so there's so much to a thing that we didn't say right <laughs> so so much stuff going on in 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 this uh, in this movie that it took me like literally like the first half about an hour and a half to sort of catch up with what was going on before I could really focus on the story itself. It's I like, know. I know what you mean because there's like there's a there's a point where it starts and you're in the club and yeah. the suicide bomb uh-huh. like happens and then like you're on the you're in the pools mm-hmm. and then you're on the on the beach yeah. and then you're like how many different places are we gonna be and yeah. then it's like no we're gonna be here for the rest of the thing like that whole like interlude with the uh, with the with the nightclub and the suicide bomber yeah that's kind of done right we're not really gonna go back there we might flash back to it. But like that part's over, yeah. And it's very losty, mm-hmm. but because like there's so much already going on, like as a viewer, I want them to start explaining where we are, what this place is, how it works. Because if you ended up there, you would say, "You, you've been here for a week. Tell me everything you know about where we are." Yeah, and that doesn't happen. Right. Like, it immediately goes into, like, you've got to kill this guy Burton for me. <laughs> Why? Because I have blue skin. Just go with it. Right. And you don't know, like, what the motivation is. There's, like, a, you know, some sort of evil guy who's running the place. And, you know, wh- why is, is you know, Richard Burton doing this? Yeah. Are they trying to say that Richard Burton was a bad guy in real life? I don't understand... You know, I mean, like, there were so many things, so many things going on in this. Jose Farmer must have read a biography of Richard Burton and was like, God, I hate this dude. No, he didn't. <laughs> he definitely did not. And we will get into that in a second. Yeah. But that did not happen. Richard mm-hmm. Burton was the protagonist in, yeah. in the novels. Which so, I think is a, makes a kind of interesting sense because the idea of making your, um, like, the audience's window into the story actually somewhat removed from the audience's life. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing to do because it allows the audience to learn from what he's perceiving and also learn about him from what other people perceive of him. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, like I don't have any problem with them using a historical figure or not using a historical figure or whatever. I just think that it's very, very strange. It's a very strange choice to say, Hey, um, Okay, so in the book, you had this guy, this historical figure who was the protagonist. How about we make him the bad guy in this? Yeah, I... Again, I don't have a problem with it. My feeling is that that kind of transformation occurs um, after a significant amount of overthinking. That could be. Uh, Essentially, that's the kind of thing that happens when you allow a thing to get rewritten over and over and over again until it ends up so far removed from the original thing that the people doing it don't really know why they're doing it anymore. Well, it certainly seems like there was a lot of rewriting going and going on during the this uh, project. The Sci-Fi Channel did a, a 2003 pilot which uh was by written by a guy named Stuart Hazeldine and mm-hmm. starring Brad Johnson and uh, Karen Holness and Emily Lloyd. Uh, it looks like they went sort of their own way, too. 
an American astronaut dies and is reincarnated with other persons who have lived throughout the human history um, and end up on a mysterious planet called Riverworld. Okay, so that didn't work. So they tried it again seven years later. uh, And the writing credits are a little weird. The credit, as it appears on screen, in the the, uh, movie anyway, I took a screenshot of it. Because I had never seen something like this before up until about a month ago when I, I saw a, a picture of a screen credit from Lethal Weapon 4. And here it was again. It's very strange. The credit reads, Teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf and, spelled out, Randall Badat, I'm assuming is how you pronounce it, and, spelled out, Robert Hewitt Wolf ampersand, Hans Beimler. Mm-hmm. So Robert Hewitt Wolf, basically the way that what that means in terms of uh, writers' guild speak is that Wolf did a draft, Badat did a draft, and then Wolf and Beimler together did a draft. Yep. And uh, I think they try to put them in order of like which ones most influential or something like that. So, like theoretically, sure. theoretically, the the wolf draft that he did by himself is the one which was most uh, heavily used in the end. Yeah, or his contribution at least was was most heavily felt. Now, when I saw this, I thought it was interesting, and I uh, tweeted it, and Wolf responded by saying two things. First, he said, stop watching before it's too late. Hashtag worse than future sport. Then he said, an honest credit would read, no one since the director threw out the script and improvised all of the dialogue on location. Yeah. So he's not fond of this movie, I gather. And I'm not fond of this movie either. Because, like I was saying, there's so many things. There's so much world building going on that you can't catch up with the story. And once you do catch up with the story, you kind of lose interest. Well, the, there, is, there, there are a lot of problems with the world building slash story prop, like, like equation. Mm-hmm. Because the world building is insane. It is. Because it's a humongous amount of stuff, and the story, like, it kind of flies in the face of a lot of that material. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, like, it's a hundred times bigger than Earth. They've got a, 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 a fusion-powered steam mm-hmm. boat and a fusion-powered Zeppelin, and they're going to use those vehicles to get to the source of the river on the planet a hundred times bigger than earth. Yeah. And I mean, if you were anywhere on earth and you had a Zeppelin, it would take a long time to get to a random other point on earth, unless you really lucked out and you were super close to that point. Most of the time it's going to take you a few days to get to this destination. Look, there are good things in this. I really like the way Samuel Clemens is used. And I think that there's there's a fascinating aspect of like historical figures being used in science fiction and fantasy because there's like as a as a, on like a meta level, like that's the same Samuel Clemens that, you know, hung out with Data and Picard. 
Yeah, it seems like he is used a lot. Like, there was one time where uh, uh, Matt, uh, Matt, who named you Max Matt, he brought Matt, Matt. he brought a, an, an anime over to my house to watch, and he's like, "This thing's crazy." Just so you know, and it's like going on doing his thing like a typical anime would, and then all of a sudden Samuel Clemens is there, and it's like, "What? What?" But it seems like that happens a lot with him in particular. Samuel Clemens <laughs> makes the rounds. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's a, there's a lot of fascinating aspects of Samuel Clemens. Like aside from picking like the weirdest gnome de plume ever, mm-hmm. uh, his presence all over fiction is, is a very interesting thing because every time it happens, it compounds the previous ones. Like there is a cumulative effect. Samuel Clemens has like a bizarre amount of connections to other materials. Mm-hmm. And and while you might think I'm using Samuel Clements, the guy who was Mark Twain, like I wrote these books, you're also kind of using the fictional character Samuel Clements from all these other things, mm-hmm. because that that's baggage that comes with that name, and that's fascinating. And I wish there was more stuff like that in Riverworld, because that that sort of meta narrative of like the characters in history and their real world identities is interesting and something that I would really like to explore in a, in a, in a TV show. And I would love it if they had a TV show that had historical characters pop up and then become protagonists or antagonists. That would be awesome. Well, it sounds like the intention was for it to go to series. Uh, I read an interview with the producer where he was talking about uh, how excited he was and how you know one of the cool things about uh, Riverworld is that it is so expansive that uh, there's lots of room for growth and plenty of stories which can be told. And he, he really hoped that, that it would go to series. And the way that the the movie ends you can tell that that was kind of the intention you know they sort of get their core group on the boat and they're like well there's a lot of river to explore or you know and he's kind of bummed out because they can't find his girlfriend and uh clemens is like nah who cares we got plenty of time and he's like, yeah, you're right. We do have plenty of time. Yeah, which doesn't really we've make got any sense. all the time. Which doesn't really make any sense to me because it's like, well, I, no, <laughs> you know. I mean, he's, yeah. We I don't need to see her today or next year or five years from now or ten. I mean, it just seems like a weird kind of uh, I, I, beat. Are you saying that you you object to his patience? I I, I object to Samuel Clemens as sort of like. We got all the time in the world. You don't need to see her now. And him saying, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's go on some adventures." You know. Well, she also did sleep with another dude and like helped him try to end the world. I mean, that's true. You know, there's, I mean, like there's when looking, that happens, that like, kind of puts a strain on the relationship. It's like I know I'm looking for her, but when we get together, we're gonna totally need some counseling. There's there's lurking variables at play, but but at the heart of it, you know, they are a. Uh, um, a couple, and and he it seems like he had forgiven her at that point in time. Sure. No. Okay. I right. I think that the, that the that whole thread of his girlfriend sleeping with Richard Burton. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of insane. It was it was a weird moment. There were a lot of weird moments like that, though. You know, 
it, it was it was very scattershot. There were so many characters. There were things where you know you would you would go off and follow this person, and then do like a flashback and see their story, and then come back to it and see how it plays in later on. And and it was it was very very strange and 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 scattershot. Yeah, there's there's a lot of problems with this. One of the main humongous problem is that like the, this story, this pilot episode thing actually involves saving the world. Yeah. And when you are deposited on a planet and with only two hours of runtime later, you then save that planet. Three hours. Right. From destruction. Maybe you should have saved that for like the end of the season. Because you've only got a little bit of time. Maybe establish a little bit of a smaller threat. Like give, do do like the story of this bend in the river mm-hmm. for the pilot, and it can be a big thing. You can have it be a big, significant, action-oriented event. But when you end up at the end of your thing, having gone from "I'm on a beach and I don't know how or why" to "No, don't take the glowing rock and put it in the spaceship. That will destroy the planet," I guess. Right. That is too far too quickly. But at the same time, honestly, I don't know if the show would have made it if it had well, spent a year building up to, I guess, will not destroy the planet. Well, obviously it wouldn't have made it because it didn't make it when they when they built up to, I guess, the show will destroy, or I guess the thing will destroy the planet. But they could have had a much better episode if they kept it small scale. But I don't think that it would have caught enough viewers. And that's that's the problem. I think that this concept doesn't really work in either scale. It doesn't work on like the the season long arc or the movie arc. Like this concept is just too weird to work in that place. I agree. Yeah, and th- and that was that was the big problem that I had with it. It took me so long to figure out what it was trying to be that by the time I figured it out, I had lost interest in the movie on the whole. Yeah. It is weird. I mean, with Wolf saying that, you know, the the director chose to throw out all the dialogue and improvise it on set. Cause I did not get that impression. Um, no? it, fe- it felt scripted. Well, I think what you meant, what you mean is it felt forced. Maybe, maybe. There are there are points in dialogue where a character says something and another character responds to that thing in a way that no human would ever do mm-hmm. in order to get them to the next point in the story. Mm-hmm. And it's very frustrating. And I think that that's the kind of thing that happens when you overthink a script and do onset improvisation. Yeah. Because in the script, like everyone knows, the first draft is very organic. Things follow naturally. Like point A is followed immediately by a completely natural and organic point B. Things are sloppy sometimes, things meander, but moment to moment, it all feels right. Moment to moment, this thing felt crazy disconnected. Yeah. Scene, like, 11 and scene 12 could be radically disconnected. Yeah. And I, so I get the idea that this was made up on mm-hmm. the spot. We should note that it was directed by Stuart Gillard. Or should we Gillard? That? Yeah, we should note that. Who... Um, I mean, he's done a number of things for television and stuff like that. I guess his big claim to fame is he's the director of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. So, oh I haven't I haven't seen that one, but uh, 
Okay. He did get nominated for an Emmy for uh, the Sonny and Cher show. Um, oh. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. So that's a super weird credit to him. Yeah. yeah. He's worked on other things. He worked on the Outer Limits uh, show. He did um, 90210, Ringer, War Games, The Dead Code. Oh. The Cutting Edge 3, Chasing the Dream. That's not real. That's not a real thing. You're making that up. One Tree Hill. No, seriously. The Charmed. Cutting Edge 3? Yeah. That's yeah. a real thing? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so, Come yeah. on, America. I mean, he's basically a, a television director, but, you know, he's had a, a very long career. So, all right. Any final thoughts on Riverworld? I'm always, I'm always a little bit disappointed when things that are weird don't work. I, I I would be very into a show that was, you know, I even I don't care if it's completely broken. If it's weird enough to incorporate, you know, some very unusual stories, I would I'd be interested. And this is a concept as a concept. I I would be interested in this show. I I believe that it could theoretically have been come become a very good thing. Uh, I I just there there were, there were too many missed steps in this opening. Okay. When you split the difference between pilot and movie, that's always a that's kind of cutting the baby in half, you know? Pick pick one. Mhm. When you when you when you don't pick one, you end up with a mess. I mean, even if they just said, "Let's go movie, movie, pull the way. If we get a deal, we'll go for it. We'll figure it out." Then you've painted yourself to a corner and you got to come up with a really interesting bridge to get out of there. Yeah. And if you do the opposite, then you've set yourself up well. And maybe you could actually make it work. Uh, either way, splitting the difference always breaks the entire thing. For me, I think that maybe if I had read like a Cliff Notes version of uh, the story before watching it, I would have uh, appreciated what they were doing more. But at the same time, you shouldn't have to do that. And I think that it kind of fails on a comprehensive level uh, early on. But even if it hadn't, I don't think that the premise is really all that tremendously interesting. I think it's kind of goofy, and I can't really get behind it no matter what. And I think in terms of the actual production, it feels very cheesy and uh, forced. So, on the whole, not a fan. Well... It was fun talking about Riverworld this week. Uh, but that's not the only thing we're talking about here on Trek FM. Um, so here's a little taste of what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. I like aliens. They took a semester of philosophy in, in college when they were on Earth, and then they were like, yeah, we're Plato's stepchildren. And then, you know, later the name just stuck. Earl Grey. First contact. Riker says, okay, they're they're ready to fire. And he pauses. <laughs> yeah. And in that moment, you see a little ship. There's another Jennifer Cisco somewhere <laughs> in my ship, for sure. <laughs> the ready room. If this statement was correct, it would suggest that the crew of the Prometheus modified the interior of the ship to reflect the new registry number before the old one was changed on the hull. Oh my god.
<sighs> really? The orb. Penumbra. I think some people might not like it, but every time I watch the end series here, I really can't wait for me to just go, next one, yeah. next one. To the journey! Galaxians. Yeah, I would love to have seen Neelix on Earth, too, just for the very reason. Like, he has all these wonderful ideas. I have this vision of him being, like, the Rachel Ray of Earth. And <laughs> he's going to have a cooking show. Commentary, Trek stars. The Dresden Files. I couldn't even do a Chicago accent if I wanted to. You were, like, wearing half the gear. I yeah. know. You I'm, should, I'm wearing a Bears jersey right now in Chicago. And I could not save do... Save the football season. Football season's over. I the could Super not Bowl do two weeks ago. a Chicago accent to save my life. Warp 5. The Borg on Enterprise. Not to mention in the movie, right? Oh, here's what we'll do. The movie's pretty much over. It was two and a half hours long, but let's put another 15 minutes of cleaning up the Borg in there right at the end. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Melodic Treks. Five musical favorites. And to see the Klingon ship dissolve in in the lightning effect with that music playing at you know at loud volumes, it was it was basically the a geek's dream. Literary treks. Spock reflections. And my favorite is when Amanda goes, I will never get used to a Vulcan scolding. <laughs> right. You know, we wouldn't take it as a scolding at all. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the daily Trek talk. We have new shows for you every day, and you'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash PD for podcast directory to get all the links. So, uh... You you said you don't think you've read this book, and I, I haven't read this book either. And it's quite possible that the book is good. There certainly is a, a large following. I, I read some things online about some uh, people who did, like, uh, doctoral theses on uh, the the philosophical issues involved in the series and, and all that stuff. So um, if you want to check out the book, see... What it's like when when Richard Burton is actually a good guy. Go to Audible dot com, where you can uh, listen to uh, all of the books, as far as I can tell, including the first one, which is called "To Your Scattered Bodies Go." Um, and since you're a listener to Trek FM, if you sign up for Audible dot com, uh, you can uh, get a book for free. So, uh, To Your Scattered Bodies Go, which is Riverworld Saga Book 1, written by Philip Jose Farmer, is narrated by Paul Hecht, and uh, they've got the unabridged uh, version on here. Uh, The summary is, uh, original and provocative, To Your Scattered Bodies Go won the 1971 Hugo Award for Outstanding Science Fiction Novel and has continued to be a favorite of generations of new listeners. For explorer Richard Francis Burton, Alice Liddell Hargreaves, the inspiration for Alice in Wonderland, and the rest of humanity, death is nothing like they expected. Instead of heaven, hell, or even the black void of nothingness, all of the 36 billion people who ever lived on Earth are simultaneously resurrected on a world that has been transformed into a giant river valley. With hunger and disease eliminated, Burton and the others appear to have everything they need except an answer to the question, why? 
both swashbuckling adventure and insightful examination into mankind's constant search for answers to the unanswerable. To Your Scattered Bodies Go is voiced by narrator Paul Hecht to emphasize every thrilling moment of discovery. So check that out on audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Commentary Trek Stars and trek.fm. All right, so that pretty much covers uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf. Uh, we're going to do a recap next week, but in the meantime, I know we're a few days late on this, but he's got a new show which he's working on, which uh, just started up called Starcrossed. You can find that on on television now, and uh, he's television. also on television. Yes, and he's also uh, working on Elementary. And apparently his run is beginning this week as well. So two new Robert Hewitt Wolf shows this week. Be sure to check them out. As always, you can find us on Trek FM where we do this show. You can also find me on Trek FM where I do Standard Orbit along with Drew. And you can find both of us on CommentaryTrackStars.com where we do Commentary Track Stars Off Topic with our friend Brandon. And you can email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com or tweet us at ComTrackStars. And we will be back next week to recap Robert Hewitt Wolf's career as an unsung hero.